0: So back in the 1990s, I used to work for a company here in town called the Clint Corporation. It was a professional salon distribution company, and I did inventory and purchasing management for them. And so I used this this computer system that they'd had a programmer design for them. The guy's name was Lonnie, and he was always in the building. He come, I think he lived there, but he was always there. And whenever something went wrong with the computer program, Lonnie had to go in and hack his own code to try to figure out what he'd done and then fix it, right? Lonnie was an interesting guy. Lonnie was single. He preferred to drink single malt scotch, neat. Don't know why I remember that about him, but I do. But Lonnie also drove a Jaguar SJS coupe convertible with a V12 engine in it. You know what I'm talking about? That's a car that was like two-thirds engine compartment and then the rest of the vehicle. It's a big car. But one day I asked him how fast his car would go, and Lonnie said to me, Jim, this car will pass everything on the road except a gas station. <laughs> and he's right. I mean, you think about it. A massive V12 engine is in constant need of fuel, especially if you are someone like me and you have a little bit of a... Lead foot, right? You kind of test engines like that. When it comes to passing things up, that is me and sugar. I can pass up almost any food group on the plate but sugar. If dessert is on the menu, I'm all in, right? That's my favorite time of the meal is dessert. During the week, we have a PDO program here at St. John's. They uh, um, use our um, education building over here. And, and I often go over to the PDO and just say hi. I say hi to the teachers. I say hi to all the kids. But I have an ulterior motive. I'm going to confess. Because I often find myself down in the kitchen area looking to see if Nancy brought any treats for the week. Right? I'm looking for the sugar. Right? So I have to be cautious when I go to Quick Trip, because Quick Trip could be my sugar dealer pretty easily, right? Culver's runs a pretty close second, and the worst thing is, is you go down State Line and what's next to each other? Culver's and Quick Trip, right? I could find myself there way too much. And yes, to all my nurses and doctors and nutrition buffs, I know that someday I'm going to be paying the price for my sugar addiction, but you know what? I love it. I love my sugar, right? But think about this for a moment. I love something that cannot love me back. It is a neutral thing. It cannot give me affection. It cannot love me back. I think one thing that we all can agree on is, is I think we're all susceptible to some unhealthy, counterfeit loves in our lives. We may find ourselves falling in love with things That can't necessarily love us back. We live in a world with false loves. right? Think about vanity and people who spend a lot of time and effort on their personal looks and their personal possessions. We all know that Americans spend billions of dollars every single year on clothing and cosmetics. Right? You can read the research on it. Now, evidently not at Nordstrom's, JCPenney's, Macy's, or Sears, since they're closing most of their stores and laying off a lot of their employees, but no matter, somehow, somewhere, we spend a lot of money on vanity, on how we look. But vanity could be a false love for us. Think about our entertainment and how much we fall in love with entertainment. I don't know about you, I don't watch necessarily a lot of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. My personal opinion from afar is is it's probably the wrong way to get a guy or a girl. And in many ways, it could probably lend towards a counterfeit love. How many of them stay together? You Think about the ways in which we are trying to figure out how to find love. Then you watch more of TV and it just simply is selling you more and more of the, the sex of our society and things like that. The internet has gotten in on this business too. If you read an article from Huffington Post in May of 2013, it talks about the sex industry on the internet and how pervasive it is. It is interesting that sex sites actually get more unique visits per month than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined. False love. How much we find ourselves giving over to things that cannot love us back. All of it. A lot of things in this world are counterfeit love. It is not love that will lead any of us to a wholeness in our lives. It's definitely not a love that's going to lead us towards God and the love of God in certain circumstances and ways. It will not lead us to love when served one another. I wonder how many of us have substituted the genuine love of God for the false love of this world. And yet, I think what we all know is every single one of us, we, we need love. That is a human characteristic. It is a basic characteristic of every single one of us. We need someone to love and some bodies to love. We need to be loved by someone and others. We need to experience romantic love. We need to experience familial love. We are created to love and to be loved. And yet we have so many images of the false ways in which love is just spread in our society. I think the church in many ways, we we as a church, we are called to be something different than the world around us. Countercultural is the term that's often used. But we're supposed to be built upon a foundation that's different than the foundations of the world. We are supposed to be a people who ascend off the foundation of genuine love that's found in God. That's part of Paul's gospel and understanding is, is that every single one of us have been rescued From this world by God's love. To be something different. To be a creature that is crafted anew in God. And to experience the genuine love of God. That's what he's writing about in his letter to the Romans. And then when he gets to this point in chapter 12. He expresses it as a way in which it is transforming each and every one of us. This genuine love of God. We all know that Paul's letter is a letter of introduction to the churches in Rome. We've talked about this for a couple of weeks. We know that Paul did not start the churches in Rome because Paul has never been to Rome. He makes contact with them, though, because Paul has plans. He has plans to go through Rome on his way to Spain, right? He wants to go to a mission field, a new mission field. Spain is the territory where he sees the opportunity to preach the gospel and to start new churches. And so he's sharing his understanding with this community that he's going to go travel through. And it's uh, estimated or, or given an opinion that he is doing so for one particular reason. He wants the Roman churches to support his mission work. And so he writes them a letter of introduction, a fundraising letter, If you might. He's gone all the way through the the explanation of his understanding of the gospel till he gets to chapter 12, where he talks about how it should now be a lived practice for the disciples. That we should each be a living sacrifice. That be our truest act of love for God and God's kingdom purposes. That we are giving ourselves... To something greater than what we can imagine and experience in this world. And as we do so, it begins to transform our minds as we begin to think about the things of God and be devoted to this process that we are deliberately practicing it in our lives. To recognize that it has a certain demand upon us. That we fulfill a role that God has crafted for us. A unique role within the body of Christ that we call the church. And through our spiritual gifts we live this out each and every day. This is our truest service. For one another. Born out in genuine love for each other. If you think about our depth of love for each other in the world I think it's solely dependent upon our depth of love that we experience in God. I would say this to you. I, I do not believe that we on our own can learn how to grow deeper in love with God. Rather, it is God working in us and showing love to us that perfects us in God's love. And it comes from us finding ourselves in the places where that can happen, where the love of God can be expressed to us over and over and over. Then we become a people who are capable of loving God and loving one another. I I think of it in this image, how we experience the love of God comes in in the stories that we are so in tune with that we know and we understand and we see them practiced in our lives. We all know that Holy Week is just around the corner, right? We're getting ready to experience the Holy Week. Palm Sunday, if you remember what happens on Palm Sunday, the crowds are welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem. They are hailing Him as their King. But days, just a few days afterwards, it demonstrates how shallow their love is for God as they quickly turn on the Christ. And during the Passover meal, Jesus simply takes bread and wine and he foretells the death that he is about to experience. But his disciples rebuke him. They're disheartened in this moment because their love is misguided. They don't understand Jesus' mission and purpose. Good Friday, we know that Jesus is betrayed in the garden. He's arrested, beaten, tried, crucified. His disciples, though, in that moment do what? They abandon him because their love fades. A man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea comes and takes the dead body of Christ in an act of love and puts it in a tomb that he had had crafted for himself, has a stone rolled in front of it, his act and his gift of love. But on Easter Sunday, Jesus is raised from death to life. Death has lost, love has won on Easter Sunday. Holy Week and Easter is not, for me, about what we demonstrate, what we do to show God that we love God by being here during Holy Week and Easter. No, Holy Week and Easter is about being immersed in the love of God that is for all of us to experience, to come and to celebrate, and to claim as our own. But I don't think of it just as Holy Week alone, as the way in which God does that, and the moments in which God does that. I think daily the Spirit of God speaks to us about the love of God for us, invites us to experience it at a deeper level as well, so that we might share it in the community in which we abide and the world where we often inhabit, to experience God's great love, a love that has no pretense, is genuine and is pure. A love that hates what is evil and holds on to what is good. A love that extends to our family that is in Christ. A love that is fueled by the Holy Spirit is a raging fire that is within us. It is a love that spawns hope and confidence in the face of hardships. It is a love that fosters devotion to these deliberate spiritual practices. It is a love that is alive in how we serve one another and how we serve the strangers who find themselves on our doorsteps. Dear friends, I think our connection to the church means nothing in God's economy if there is no intentional, deliberate practices that use your spiritual gifts for the good of your community and for the good of your neighbors. If the church is solely about me and myself, then I believe I've probably given myself to a false love. I wish the kids were in here because my my next illustration is about the movie Ice Age. Most of us adults, we probably would not even watch it if we didn't have kids around and grandkids around, right? You know? But it's an interesting little story that, that sets up a point for me and I and I hope it makes it for us here in this moment. If you remember the movie Ice Age, it's it's about these three companions, right? A saber toothed tiger, a woolly mammoth, and a sloth. Manfred, Sid, and Diego, right? they find themselves discovering this small little boy that's left all alone. And their mission becomes to return this small boy to his tribe and to his father. And so the trio, along with this little boy, go on this journey through the movie. They're going through mountainous terrains of ice and snow, carrying this young child. But at one point, the four of them come to an erupting volcano that's melting the ice that is around them. Diego, the saber-toothed tiger, finds himself separated on this little piece of ice that's quickly melting, and so he does what he uh, could, and he jumps off of it, but he falls a little bit short, doesn't quite make it, and he's hanging on by a claw, right? All of a sudden, his grip lets go. He begins to fall towards the lava, and Manfred jumps to the rescue and rescues him and throws him back up on the ice. Diego recognizes in this moment Manfred's compassion and courage and his sacrifice and he asks him, why in the world did you do this? You could have died trying to save me. Humphly Manfred says to him, that's what you do when you're part of a herd. You take care of one another. right?" Now amazed at the convergence of these circumstances, that's brought the three of them together, Sid, the sloth, muses aloud, I don't know about you guys, but we are one strange herd. That's what I'm going to ask you to do next. Look at one another. Right? Take a moment. Just look around at one another. Right? We're one strange herd. I heard you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But we are brought together by the love of God made known in Jesus Christ. We are called to love God with everything that we have and to love one another as we love ourselves. We are called to risk it all for one another. Jesus' word. No greater love can one show than to lay down your life for a friend, right? This is genuine love. This is our service to one another. So let me ask you a question. What is the depth of your love? What is the depth of your love for one another? Elizabeth Barrett Browning was a prominent English poet of the Victorian era. She was popular in both Britain and the United States, even long after her death in 1861. She wrote a collection of poems titled Sonnets from the Portuguese, which contains several famous love poems. One of them is Sonnet number 43, which starts by asking a question that every single one of you will recognize. The question is, how do I love Thee? Let me count the ways. Right? I love Thee to the depth and the breadth and height my soul can reach when feeling out of sight for the ends of being and ideal grace. I love Thee to the level of every day's most quiet need by sun and candlelight. I love Thee freely as men strive for right. I love Thee purely as they turn from praise. I love thee with the passion put to use in my old griefs and with my childhood faith. I love thee with a love I seem to lose with my lost saints. I love thee with the breath, smiles, tears of all my life. And if God choose, I shall but love thee better than death. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on Victorian era poetry, let alone Miss Browning, but... Here's what I want you to remember about this poem. Here's what I want you to ask yourself again. How do I love thee? Not how do you love your spouse or your family or even how do you love God. Rather, I want you to ask that question about your community of faith, the people that sit next to you. How do I love thee? Can you count the ways? As we go away from this moment this morning, there's a couple of things that I want you to hang on to. Just some ideas, maybe to have conversation over, over lunch or this afternoon. But to be reminded that that I think all of us can fall prey pretty quickly to a false love in this world. We can give ourselves to things that cannot love us back genuinely. But God loves us. God loves us with a genuine love that can grow in every single one of us. And become a genuine expression of that love in our lives. Paul's letter instructs us on how we as a community of faith are to live together and experience that genuine love. That it comes in our service for one another. Strange as that may sound and as strange as some of us are to love, we are called to love and serve one another. So here's your invitation for today. Some things I want you to think about and pray upon. Number one, do you have a false love? Have you given yourself to something that cannot love you back? Take a moment maybe to pray about that today. Or what is the depth of your love? What is the depth of your love for your community of faith? What would you give for your community of faith? What would you risk for someone here at St. John's? Can you count the ways? Would you join me in a moment of prayer? So, gracious and holy God, we thank you for this opportunity to just center upon your words, to think about Paul's words to us, and to think about what they mean for us as a people who gather in your genuine love, to be formed and shaped and crafted in it, that we might be something unique, to have that love expressed one with another as a community of faith, To serve each other in our times of joy and in our times of sorrow and in all the times in between. To find ourselves knitted together as a community of faith in your perfect love. Not only to serve one another but also to be reminded of the stranger that comes to our door. That through your love and your grace you might form and shape us to share it with the world beyond. And so today, O Lord, we open ourselves up to You to the power of Your Spirit to form and shape us, craft in us these deliberate practices that help us sacrifice daily who we are so that we might be convinced of Your great love. Help us, O Lord, each and every day to find ourselves dwelling in the bounty of Your love for us. And we ask this in Christ,